What is up, bitches? This is Morgan. And what's up, bitches? This is Sierra. And this is Bitches and Murders. Okay, that one actually genuinely sounded good. Yeah, I think we <laughs> we did it. We I, did I feel it. I feel confident. I feel confident in that one. I don't feel confident any about anything else in this episode. <laughs> but I, oh, I feel no. confident about that. Oh God. Okay. I have my coffee. It has a shot of espresso in it. I'm ready. It's a dirty chai in case anybody was wondering. Um, we have some housekeeping before I get into this. I'm really just procrastinating, but also, um, <laughs> we are back after a hurricane after God knows how many fucking health problems. I don't even want to talk about it. Literally. We are here. <laughs> Look, the bottom line is neither of us are doing super hot. Both of us have to go see a ton of specialists. Um, and yeah, the hurricane was a thing. In case anybody forgot, I live in Florida. Um, and while I don't live in Fort Myers, I do work coastside. Um, I'm not going to say where because people are creepy. And this is a true crime podcast. And if I wasn't careful, then would it really be a true crime podcast? Um, but I do live on the coast. And <laughs> hmm, I got so I started work Sunday night. I worked Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, I ended up staying at the clinic Wednesday morning and then did not leave the clinic until Saturday morning and then worked Saturday night and Sunday and Monday. So I worked for like a week straight through this fucking hurricane I stayed at the clinic through, like, pretty much all of it. Um, <laughs> it was not a fun time. We lost power at the clinic. There was flooding all around us. Like, our clinic is, by some miracle, on, like, the smallest of hills because we don't really have hills in Florida. Um, but, like, everything around us was under, like, two feet of water. And then, by some miracle, the clinic was, like, not underwater. Uh but we did have flooding through our front windows. So every like two hours we had to go squeegee water out of the fucking front lobby. <laughs> it was fun. That sounds so fun. <laughs> it was great. Uh, because we didn't have power, we had to handwrite all of our estimates and invoices. Um, so all of the clinic's Ugh. prices live in my head rent fucking free. <laughs> and this also happened like three days after I left. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there for a week and all of this happened. Like, I left. It was, like, kind of rainy the, like, the last couple days I was there and then mm. right after that, like, immediately. Hurricane. Yeah, I think you flew out Saturday and then the hurricane was, like, Tuesday. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> like, even while I was there, when I went to Disney, they evacuated, or, like, we're like evacuating Disney because there was like a tornado, like a water spout tornado. Mm -hmm. Like the weather was already getting a little weird, but I did not think there was just randomly going to be a hurricane right after that. Yeah, but also no, I don't it, watch for them, so it got real spicy. I feel. Uh, I mean, thankfully, like our house is fine. Like we're, our like so where I work and where I live, not same same. Um. Where I live is still on the coast, but it was, like, far enough north 
that like it wasn't too bad i guess i don't know that's what like drew was saying um i mean they still got like really heavy rain here they were still flooding around us but like where we live is like a lot of swampland so it like handles flooding really well um and our neighborhood has like a lot of retention ponds around it so like we didn't really flood um and they i guess drew said the house only lost power for like four hours uh because we're on the same power grid as the high school and the high school is like an emergency shelter so obviously they were like trying to get power back to the high school asap wow that's Um, really convenient yeah so he said they literally only lost power for like four hours through this entire thing and i was like that's nice um the clinic didn't get power back until like sunday (laughs) from like wednesday to sunday we did not have power at the clinic we had a generator uh but that was like a mission essentials generator so like diagnostics and fluid pumps (laughs) right the the things to keep the things alive yeah yeah uh so yeah zero zero out of (laughs) ten Yeah, so it's been a wild ride, but we are here, and I am ready to traumatize all of you again. Mm -hmm. Because haven't you missed it? (sighs) Haven't you just been waiting for it? So um, before we get into this episode, because this episode is about to be, let me tell you, as you could probably tell from that intro, it's going to be a lot. Oh. I mean, it's us. It's always about to be. <laughs> Literally, though. Uh, so before we get into all of that, we'll do a, a quick little palate cleanser to hopefully take you through for a little while here. <laughs> um, I just wanted to pop up and bring up one of my favorite sponsors that we've ever had, uh, Magic Minds. I have, I know you've heard us talk about them before, but Things have been super stressful for me lately. It's been all over the place. I've been so busy. Um, So this has been like such a lifesaver to have like something to help Mm -hmm. keep me focused because if I don't, then I will drink like 12 Red Bulls in a day and me and my liver (laughs) don't need that. We, We don't need that. Dude, I felt that on a soul level. <laughs> oh my god, it's been so bad lately. And like, Drew literally just texted me and he was like, am I getting a Red Bull on the way home? Like, yes. Like, the answer is literally always yes. I literally have one in my fridge right now waiting for me when I go. <laughs> and also uh, some of this. <laughs> They're actually right fine, next to problem. each other on the shelf, funny enough. <laughs> um... <laughs> And there, there are a lot of reasons I like it. And there are a lot of good ingredients, which you've definitely heard us ramble on about. Um, I think what's really been, like, saving my ass lately has been the ashwagandha. Because, like, so I feel like ashwagandha helps my anxiety so much. But I can't, like, just take the tablets. Because, mm-hmm. like, the tablets, like, it, it's, like, a little too much. You know? Like, it's a little too much sedation. I don't need, like, all of that. Uh, so this is like a nice yeah. balance of like a little bit of it to kind of like calm me down, but not enough that I'm like numb. <laughs> so big <laughs> fan. Um, I actually also, I don't know if I told you, but my mom started using it as well. Uh, and she actually oh, had nice. nothing but like really good things to say about it as well. She was really excited about it. Um, especially she also agreed with me that like it's much better if you consume it which they recommend this too so like this is not like a surprise but like it is genuinely better if you like consume it with some caffeine like I like to drink 
and like drink my Red Bull. Um, and we also have our 20% off code. Um, so it is B-A-M-20. Bam. So you can go to, you know, magicmind.com slash B-A-M and that'll be us. And then you can yeah, and I'll make sure to add that to the beacons, page, uh, beacons well. page. Yeah, and then you just enter in BIM twenty when you're there as well. Um, and then oh they do have a money back guarantee, so if you don't like it, you don't have to worry. You can always return it. Um, and then they also have a subscription. And then if you decide to do the subscription uh, using our code, you get forty percent off instead of the twenty percent off. Um, but that only lasts for a limited time, so. If that's what you're thinking, it might be worth a try. It's definitely worth a try. I absolutely love it. It helps get me through my shifts, which like I, I've talked about it a million and one times. You guys know if you're new here. Hi, I work overnights um, and it definitely helps get me through my overnight shift because I work 12 plus hours. So Ugh. I definitely recommend this. Could never, never <laughs> be me. It used to be me. Can no longer be me. <laughs> you are you are a stronger woman than i am <laughs> uh, uh on that I've, note we uh, yeah. uh we can get back to the murder <laughs> <laughs> but cling to this because believe me in just a little while you're gonna miss when we were talking about this <laughs> literally <laughs> um so before i start this um, because I can be bad about these and I'm trying to be much better. Um, this is your tr- trigger warning. Um, I genuinely am not going to make a list for this um, because uh, if you're triggered by anything, it's it's probably included. To be honest. Like, we really cover a lot of bases here. Um, so oh, if it's bad, uh, it's probably here. Um, including a lot of stuff about children. So if you are bothered by, well, um, anything, you should probably, probably not listen to this. And I'm also going to preface this by saying that I was, like, I discovered this case or whatever. Um, I found this random documentary and I was, like, really bored. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Um, that documentary was shit. Um, I didn't even like, write down what the name was because, like, <laughs> it's so bad, I don't even want to send people to it. Because it, like, included so little, like, it got me interested in the case, don't get me wrong, but then, like, when I actually went to research it, they left out so much. Like, literally, like, 99%, like, the whole time. So it was, like, fuck, I, I really don't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but it was something, something, like, about his confession tapes. And they did play, like, a good amount of his tapes throughout the thing, which was a little interesting to hear. However, the whole fucking documentary, they acted like he was the freeway killer. And, and we'll get into this later, but he was, he had accomplices. Okay. He had multiple accomplices, and they were never mentioned. <laughs> like, bro, there was, like, four people involved in this. But you you just made the documentary about one of them and, like, acted like he did everything by himself. 
Oh, good. We love that. That's why I was like, I don't even want to recommend it. Like, it was <laughs> so fucking bad. Like, when I started actually doing research, I was so confused. Because I was like, there's so many things they literally didn't even begin to touch on. Mm. Okay. Rant over. I was gonna say, are, are, we, are we done being mad? I mean, I get it. <laughs> I'm literally, like... like, out of breath right now. <laughs> I like, literally went it myself because I was so angry. <laughs> Anyways, my lungs have also not been doing so hot lately, so I'm sorry if I sound a little winded uh, frequently, because it might happen. Okay. We're gonna start at the very beginning. <laughs> um, don't make the joke. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> I also hate myself because I wrote these entire notes using his last name as like the descriptor but I don't want to say his last name ever again because it's kind of hard to say so now I'm gonna have to replace that every single sentence so I don't know why I did that to myself but anyway yeah you fucked up <laughs> Will William William George Bonin was born in Willimantic Connecticut on January 8th of 1947 he was the second of three sons, um, all of which were equally three years apart, which is really weird, but okay. Dude, they have great timing. Yeah, seriously. He was born to Robert Leonard Bonin Sr., um, who died in 1980, and Alice Dorothy Bonin. Uh, well, she was originally Alice Dorothy Cote, uh, and she died in 2004, so not that long ago wow that was almost 20 years ago i hate everything okay moving on <laughs> not gonna dwell on that um so both of them were alcoholics his dad was a war veteran um he was a gambling addict he was physically abusive he was abusive towards his wife he was abusive towards his son um all of them all of his sons his mom was also like very overbearing, very codependent, very helicoptery. Um, she also possibly had bipolar disorder. She was known to swing um like very violently, like have like her mood would swing like back and forth. Um, and she one of her favorite things to do was go gamble essentially at a bingo parlor. Um, and just, like, leave her sons at home. Really, both of them just, like, didn't really care about raising wow. their children, to be that's, honest. That's quality. Um, yeah, she was never really home, didn't really cook for them. Um, they were always arguing. And they ended up losing their home in Connecticut because his dad literally gambled it away when Will was three. He literally lost their house in a poker game. Jesus. So they moved in with his mom. And so I'm sure that went well. Um, but did that stop him from gambling every night? No. Not even a little bit. Um, it was said that the, like, the brothers, like, all three of them, they were so, like, they never had food. They would always show up everywhere, like, you know, disgusting, dirty, wearing the same clothes. Uh, they caught them, like, digging raw potatoes out of people's fields and, like, eating them. 
um, because, you know, they had no one to feed them at home. So altogether, a very sad situation. Yeah, that's... um... You know what? No, we're talking about this guy. I'm not going to feel bad for him. You can feel bad for his brothers. I feel like his brothers didn't do anything. So that's fair. It's sad for his brothers. So long as none of his brothers became serial killers, I feel bad for his brothers. As far as we know, they did not. As far as we know. But I'm going to assume that they're probably just fine. I feel like serial killers tend to be limited to one person in the family. (laughs) It's not not a family affair. (laughs) Um, So on top of all of this great environment going on, they were also raised Catholic. Yay. Because nothing bad has ever happened in Catholicism. I was just going to say that. I was like, oh. So um, the boys went to St. Mary's Catholic school. Um, Will was known to be very, very aggressive, um, you know, skip school a lot, not pay attention. Um, And then he had this incident where he rode his bike like full speed into a crowd of people, all girls, and like ended up injuring a couple of them. And he ended up getting put in juvie because of it. Um, when he got home from juvie, he wasn't there for very long. It was like a couple of months. He gets home and he's worse than ever. Um, then, you know, the, the cops start complaining. Neighbors are complaining. The school is complaining. Um, so they decide to put Will and his older brother in the Franco-American school in Lowell, Massachusetts. Um... Her claim was that she did this. Oh, this was also uh, September 6th of 1953. I forgot to say that. Um, So she said that she did this because there was, like, domestic violence in the home and she didn't want them to, like, be around it. Um, But this was, like, an extremely strict Catholic convent and they were known for severely disciplining children. So I don't think it was about avoiding domestic violence. I think it was about like, you guys are bad kids and I want someone else to deal. Like it's basically military school, but religious. No way that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. It's like sending your kid to military school and just being like, oh, well, you know, me and his dad argue. So I just didn't want him to see that. Like, no, bitch, that's not why you sent them to military school. Let's be real. Let's be honest. You just didn't want to deal with, be with them. Yeah. Literally that either, though. Like, she didn't want to be home. She didn't want to cook for them. She didn't want to take care of them. Thank you for understanding that my gibberish meant you didn't want to be a mom and you were just being lazy bitch about it. Because that's what I was trying to say, but I'm pretty sure I had an aneurysm halfway through that. <laughs> I just know you too well. I, I already just knew what you were going to say. <laughs> Like, I appreciate you for understanding what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, so some of the favorite punishments of this convent were harsh beatings. Um, they would make them kind of do like the medieval torture thing where they would like put them in positions that were really like stressful on their bodies and then make them like hold those positions for a really long time. Um, they would make them walk up and down the staircases for hours 
Um, they would partially drown them in sinks full of ice water. Um, and they also, kids complained about um, being assaulted by other kids, having like their heads dunked in toilets, being threatened with knives. Um, some of them were even so bad, they got left with like hematomas because they were be beaten like so hard by the nuns. A great environment. Good, healthy, healthy yeah, place for kids to grow want you to be around the violence of us arguing so we sent you somewhere significantly more violent um the funny thing about this is that um <laughs> will did great here um he actually was like really good like he was like i think he realized he was out of his depth and he was like yeah no i'm not even gonna try to fuck with that <laughs> like he immediately got in line so wow too bad that didn't like stick yeah yeah and i'm not gonna lie uh this is where it starts to go rapidly downhill we were already kind of going downhill but this is where it rapidly gets weirder and worse so sorry great um so Around 1955, Will started getting bullied by some of the other kids because there was this one orphan who was there that he would defend. Um, so the other kids started, like, really getting on him for it. Um, so he went off with this kid he had been defending, and they went to a bathroom to get, like, one of the restrooms together. And so... His story, I'm going to preface with his story first, because I don't think this is what really happened. His story was that the older boy who he had defended made advances towards him and that he agreed to it, but he wanted the older boy's hands to be tied with a towel because he said it made him, like, feel safer. I don't think that's true. Uh, you'll see as we go farther on why I very much believe that that's bullshit. Um, I don't think this kid coerced him into anything. I think that he probably assaulted this kid and tied him up. Like, I don't, I don't think it was the other way around. No good. Um, we love sociopathic behavior at a young age. But then he said that the older boy assaulted him. So it, it's one of those things where I, it's hard to know what happened. From what comes later, I have a hard time believing any of this story. I, I believe that he probably did get sexually assaulted while he was here. I don't think that that's wrong. But I don't think this like specific scenario necessarily actually happened like this. Yeah. Might have just been like a little bit of over-embellishment. Right. So, but I do I do believe that he did get sexually assaulted at some point. Probably several points. Like, this seems like the type of place where that would happen. To be honest. Valid. He, so his parents never visited him or his older brother. 
So, and while they were there, him and his older brother were not allowed to interact with each other. The nuns, like, forced them to stay apart. Um, I hate that for them. And after he had been here, because he had been at the school for years, he actually was, like, worried that his parents were dead and that, like, nobody was telling him, like, that he was actually an orphan and, like, he had gotten put here and they were just kind of like, no, your parents are still alive, like... So, May 31st of 1955, he ended up leaving the school and going back to live with his parents. Um, At this point, his parents lived with his grandpa in Mansfield, Connecticut. Um, So, as we go through this episode, I have a sprinkling of quotes from Will. Um, Because he did a lot of talking. We'll get into that later, but he's really... He's a, he's a man's a talker. He's got a mouth. Oh, good. So, his, um, childhood, his, like, quick summary of his childhood was, In my life, I never had nobody to help me. My father used to beat the shit out of me. My mother never stopped him. She put me in one of those boys' homes, and I got raped by these older guys. So, I mean... When it comes to that, I, I believe him. I, I believe all of those things happened. So here's where my confliction happens. I believe you. However, um, that sounds like the precursor for not accepting responsibility for our own actions. Oh, yeah. Um, There's none of that here. We're not We're not even touching that. We're not getting like, anywhere near that. That feels like a, oh, woe was me. I had such a terrible childhood, so I turned into a terrible person. Literally. Like. Don't don't even search for accountability here. You will not find it. There is <laughs> nowhere in here. Great. I will uh, check my disappointment at the door then. So um, when he moved to Mansfield, um, so his older brother is still at the school, by the way. So it's just him and his younger brother with his parents. So he starts attending Annie Vitton Elementary School. Um, and him and his brother like hung out a lot. Like they were pretty close. Um, at school, he was known to be a juvenile delinquent. He was always in trouble. He was always gone. Um, he always looked like shit, like, because obviously his parents were not, like, taking care of him well. Um, he was really aggressive with people. Nobody really liked him. He was bullied a lot. We've heard it. We get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he also was having homosexual urges for lack of a better way to say it um and he was having um attraction to not only like the younger kids but also his teachers and so he like this just like made it even worse because like on top of that i think he was like making himself feel guilty for feeling this way so like he was just like i don't deserve to talk to anybody like i don't deserve to have friends um This is, like, also the time period where I was talking about where, like, people found them, like, digging up potatoes and stuff like that. Um, Like, their neighbors, like, would even, like, sometimes give them food, give them, like, new clothes, stuff like that, because it was, like, so bad and they were so, like, poorly taken care of. So, at uh, many points in their childhood, we haven't really, like, touched on this, but, like, 
there was a bunch of different points between like when they were born and like 1957 uh, that Will and his brothers would spend time with their grandfather, like their mom's dad, mm-hmm. um, who was a child molester. Uh, For and fuck's sake. <laughs> their mom knew that because she was the one that he molested. So the fact that she would leave her children with the man who molested her her whole childhood pretty fucked up um i can't decide if that's on stockholm syndrome or if that's on trauma bonding yeah um (laughs) honestly i genuinely think in this case specifically that it's on she really just did not care that much fair like i think she really was just looking for any place to like pawn off her child um and obviously he probably molested his grandsons at some point. Like, even she thought that he did, but, like, still didn't stop it and still would drop them off there. Um, sometimes they would also leave them with their older brother. So there's Robert Jr., there's Will, and then there's Paul. Um, they would also sometimes leave them with, you know, their older brother to take care of them. That's pretty standard, honestly. Uh, <laughs> except Robert would beat the shit out of them. And was, like, just as bad as their dad. So. All around good care from every corner. Every school. Every family member. He is having a great time. Yeah, the adults in their life are really just failing them left, right, and sideways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, obviously he got into a life of crime. Um, he started stealing... I don't know. We're going to get into a lot of crime. It's actually a little while before we get to the murders. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that happen here that Mm -hmm. just need to be discussed. (laughs) Because if my brain had to have them, your brain has to have them. I am not even a little bit ready. So, um, he starts easy by stealing hubcaps, license plates, um, shit like that um his dad was told a bunch of times that he was stealing and like never did anything about it like obviously didn't really give a shit um 1957 he is arrested for stealing a license plate so he was placed in juvie um and while he was in juvie he was molested by one of the COs essentially. I think they call them counselors in the juvie, but same thing. Um this obviously did not do wonders for his mental health. Um and when he got released from the juvenile hall, he started sexually molesting his younger brother. Um dude, come on. Yeah. Uh, after six months, his younger brother ended up telling their mom, um, do you want to know their solution? Um, I'm going to go with she didn't give a fuck because she's a trash bag. She just made him sleep in his own bedroom. They just were like, oh, okay, you guys just can't be in the same bedroom at night. That'll solve the problem. Yeah. Do you want to know what kills me? We're a half- 
I mean, we had, did have some bullshitting, but we're like a half hour into this and we have not even gotten to murdery bits. We haven't even gotten to his teenage years yet. Oh my god. <laughs> so, um, he also started uh, fondling and performing oral sex on young boys. And at one time he got caught stripping in front of a 10-year-old girl. So, very healthy. Um, we are in, we, we are just now getting to the teen years. We are, we are here. So, um, his dad, gambling addiction, whole big thing. Um, they lost their home again. Again. So this time they moved from Connecticut to California in 1960. And this was bon when Bonham was in the eighth grade. So he's probably like 13. Yeah, that would make sense. Because I feel like you start school, like high school at like 14-ish. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So <sighs> I forgot what year. Oh, 1947. Yeah. So, okay. He's 13. Got it. We got it. Um, so they moved to Downey, California, um, and he starts attending North High School in Torrance. Um, he was a social outcast. He didn't really have any friends. Um, but he was considered well-behaved. Um, people thought that he was, like, even though he didn't really have friends, like, he was viewed as a nice person. Um, like, they actually used to make fun of him and call him, like, Goody Two-Shoes, because he, like, was so well-behaved. Um, so weird weird change here um he also got really into bowling i just thought that was fun um, <laughs> um he also had um this kind of like comes into play later because he obviously has like self-esteem issues um mm -hmm. but he also had really crooked teeth and of course his parents aren't gonna like pay for braces or anything Plus, oh, I don't even know they? if braces existed in 1960, to be honest. I don't I don't know when braces were invented. Uh, so that might not have even been an option. But he was really self-conscious about what he looked like. Um, by the time he was a teenager, um, he developed what was described as an unrelenting and obsessive interest in pedophilia. I don't appreciate that at all. Um, he also obviously was homosexual. Um, and this was like a big thing between him and his mom because she thought that him being gay and him being attracted to little boys was like curable. Like she thought it was like a like like a cold, basically. You know what I mean? Like, it, she's not like she was going to get him, like, therapy. She was just like, oh, this is, like, easy. Like, you just got to uh, take this for the rest. That's not how any of this works. Um, so he obviously didn't really date girls. Um, he only dated one, or, like, even tried to, like, date one girl in high school. And he, like, literally just went up to her and asked for, asked her for a date. And it it did not go well. She, like, humiliated the fuck out of him. And he was just like, nope, I can't be with girls. Like, girls are the worst. Because, obviously, it was totally that girl's fault. <laughs> um, he also molested 
many of the neighborhood children during this time period. Maybe because his mother refused to accept that you can't just pray the gay away. Oh. Um, she also refused to, like, acknowledge that this was happening, basically. Like, she would, like, complain to him about being gay, but, like, mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily acknowledge that he was, like, molesting children. <laughs> so, he graduated from North High School in 1965, and he actually got engaged. Um, he basically got engaged because his mom found somebody. It was basically, like, an arranged marriage. She was like, here is a girl... You are going to marry her. (laughs) Um, And she also was basically like, here's a girl. You're going to marry her. Also, you're going to join the Air Force. So he served five months of active duty in the 205th Assault Support Helicopter Unit during the Vietnam War. He was an aerial gunner, and he actually logged over 700 hours of combat and patrol time. So he was, like, in the war. Which, of course, couldn't be a better place for someone who's struggling with so many mental health issues. Yeah, no way that that could possibly go wrong. Also, how was he only in for five months? Was it honorable, dishonorable, or medical? Um, I think it was, um, I think it was just because he was in so much combat that they let him, like, I think the terms were a little different back then. Oh, um, true. Because he actually was know. known, like, he was known to have risked his life multiple times under enemy fire to, like, save his fellow, like, officers and stuff. Um, he actually got, like, a bunch of medals in the army. Like, he actually did really well in the army. Um, but he also said that his experiences there, like, made him think that human life isn't valuable. Uh, he literally said, like, word for word, you learn that life is cheap over there. Um, he claims that he had sex with both males and females while he was in Vietnam, and he also confessed to sexually assaulting two different soldiers under his command at gunpoint um, during the Tet Offensive. So... Um, he ended up serving three, oh, yeah, that's why he didn't get out right then. He served three more years after his five months of active duty, like, over there. Um, and then he got an honorable discharge in October of 1968 at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. So he gets home from all that war stuff, um, finds out that his fiance, who ha- had given birth to their son together, um, had just, like, up and ditched to go marry somebody else. Um, damn she really just hit that dependipotamus life huh you know um, during their engagement he told her a bunch of times that he was suffering from reoccurring nightmares and which he would rape a faceless young woman in a deserted location before burying her in a shallow grave so I don't really yep, blame nope, her we're, uh, we're not gonna fault her for that one yeah so I, yeah, I don't, I don't blame her. Um, and I don't think he really cared, honestly. Like, he summarized the whole relationship as, like, a big mistake. And that it was, like, only because his mom was, like, pressuring him and stuff. So, 
Um, everyone also said he was, like, a lot different when he got back from war, but he, he claims that this, like, is not a thing. He was like, no, I'm exactly the same, and everyone's like, no, you were pretty fucking weird when you got back. Though he was pretty fucking weird before he went, too. Anyways, we're getting into his first convictions. Yay. Not murders yet, but we're getting there. (laughs) We're getting there. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. November 17th, 1968. Will is 21 at this this time point, just to keep that in mind. Okay. He confronts a 14-year-old kid who he handcuffs him, strips him, and then beats him into unconsciousness, basically, um, while threatening to rape and murder him. Um, he does end up then raping this child before he lets him go um just seven days later he abducted handcuffed and raped a 17 year old boy um who he also beat with a tire iron uh five weeks later on january 1st he forced a 12 year old boy who he had kidnapped to perform oral sex on him before he molested him. Um, And then he, of course, threatened to kill him if he told anybody. Twelve days later, he abducted and handcuffed an 18-year-old boy who was extensively beaten before sexually assaulted. Um, He... (laughs) Goes to kidnap a fifth victim, a 16-year-old boy, uh, that same January, uh, when he was arrested in the process. So that boy was fine. Nothing happened to him. Um, He was indicted on five counts of kidnapping, four counts of sodomy, uh, one count of oral copulation, and a count of child molestation. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, okay. Here's, here's, here's my soapbox for this episode. If something terrible happens to you and the person says, don't tell anyone or I'll kill you, fucking tell somebody. Because let me tell you something. If you go to the authorities and are like, hey, this person said they're going to kill me if I tell you about this sketchy fucking shit that happened, they're going to be like, how would you like, some protection also we're going to go fucking arrest that person like tell somebody for the love of god stop being quiet about your abusers slash oppressors slash terrible fucking people in your life stop being quiet about it say something scream it from the top of your lungs fucking tell people that is my soapbox I support thank you for soapbox. coming to my ted talk <laughs> Yeah, it really goes a 0 to 100 here, but I feel like the stuff that happens to him when he's young, like, makes this stuff make more sense. Like, if I just jumped right into this stuff, like, you need a little bit of context. But that's why we ended up with all that. It, like, giving the whole context of his childhood, it 100% like makes sense of how he ended up here. However... You had siblings who went through the exact same fucking thing, and they're not serial killers, allegedly. So, like, 
maybe maybe find some better coping mechanisms you know what i mean yeah yeah it's gonna get worse you're gonna get really angry so he pleads guilty to a molestation and forced oral copulation so that was hard for me to say for some reason uh and was sentenced to the atascadero state hospital as a mentally disordered sex offender um, who was considered amenable to treatment, which means, like, they thought he could be treated, um, in January of 1971. So while he's there, um, you know, they obviously subjected him to a bunch of different, like, psych exams. Um, He actually had a really high IQ. He tested about 121, which isn't too bad. Um, He also displayed traits of manic depression, sexual sadism, and antisocial personality disorder. Um, when they looked at him physically, he had extensive scarring on his head, on his back, on his legs, um, which were probably from all of the abuse he got in his childhood. Could have been from his brother, could have been from his dad, could have been from the Catholic school, like, and like, but he claimed that he didn't know where they came from. He had no idea. So the Sykes thought that he was really, like, repressing what happened to him in his childhood. Which, I mean, I I think he definitely was. (laughs) Because, like, if you're covered in scars like that, that clearly looks like you've been beaten over and over again. Like, you know where those came from. Yeah. Like, and if you don't, your brain is really going into overtime to protect you. Um, He also, he, the professionals... Um, also noted that he was very, like, in a very unhealthy relationship with his mom, because she was, like, very domineering, very overbearing. Um, she obviously, like, thought really lowly of him, and, like, would call him worthless all the time, and, like, obviously didn't really give a shit about him. Um, but he was really, like, emotionally dependent on her anyways. Um, you know, he was considered actually, like, nonviolent, helpful, thoughtful while he was there. Um, he regularly went to group. He volunteered to, you know, do their experiments. He, you know, the, the psychiatrist wrote that he was someone who wanted to straighten himself out, but he just didn't know how to do it. So he was thought to be very, you know, a good patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of seems like he was just telling them what they wanted to hear so he could get out early. So two years after he'd been in the hospital, he ended up being sent to actual prison um, because he had started having um, sexual intercourse with two mentally challenged inmates um, and refused to stop. And so they declared him unsuitable for further treatment, and they ended up sending him to actual prison. Um, he was also really good in prison as well. He, like, helped arrange, like, a fundraiser for one of the other inmates whose, like, family was in trouble. And he, like, did treatment programs, and he ended up being released early on June 11th of 1974. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like out of breath. Jesus. I'm like. 
I'm only on page five of 31. Ugh. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. It's so bad. There's so much. He killed so many people. Like, so many. You don't understand. No, God, I'm not ready. Okay. I'm trying to speed. Like, you don't even know. Like, I've been skipping things as we go. Because I'm like, no, that's not important. <laughs> but to be fair, the first, like, ten minutes or so were all us talking. Ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um. Anyways, moving on. Uh, three months after he's released from prison on September 8th of 1974, he ran into a 14-year-old boy named David Allen McVicker, who was hitchhiking in Garden Grove. Uh, McVicker decided to accept Will's offer to drive him to his parents' home in Huntington Beach. Um, but after he got in the car, uh, Will immediately asked him if he was gay, and David was like, no, I'm not. Can I get out of the car? I don't want to be here. Um, and Will drove off like a crazy person. And so when David tried to get out of the car anyways, uh, Will pulls out a gun and drives him to a deserted field where he beats him up and sexually assaults him. He also um, strangles him with I'm only going to describe this once because this is one of his signatures. So in the future, when I say that he strangles someone, this is exactly what I'm talking about because he did it the same way in every crime. But I'm only going to describe it once so that way I don't have to keep repeating myself. So what he would do is he would make them undress. So he would use the victim's own t-shirt. He would like tie it in a ring around their neck. And then he would insert, like, a tire iron through the back of it and, like, twist the tire iron. Kind of like a garrot. I was just going to say, like, a garrot type situation. Yeah, like like a homemade garrot, essentially. Um, but he would always use their own t-shirt. Um, and he would always use a tire iron. So, and he w- would tend to do this while, like, while he was sexually assaulting them. Oh. Oh, oh, oh good. So that is what's happening here. Um, And before, you know, he could pass, David, you know, pleaded to God for help. um, And Will immediately stopped, apologized, and then just, like, went to having normal conversation. Like, nothing just happened. And then, and then he drives David to his parents' house, where he was supposed to take him. And on the way, like, while they're driving, he says, you know what? You're an alright guy. I was gonna kill you, but I want to come back for you and use you again. (laughs) And then he drops him off, and as he drops him off, he says, we'll meet again. Uh, Obviously, McVigar did not like this. This was not a good experience for him. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Um, so he cries for a couple of hours. Totally valid. Um, and then he calls a child abuse hotline. Um, the child abuse hotline uh, convinced him to call his mother, um, who was very supportive. She immediately left work, uh, called the police immediately. And so Will gets arrested. They didn't end up finding him till a couple of months later, but... He was arrested for this crime and for another assault. 
And when he got arrested, he told the cops, next time there won't be any more witnesses. <sighs> so he was charged with rape and um, forced oral sex of a minor. And then he was also charged for the attempted abduction of a 15-year-old boy that he had tried to abduct uh, just two days after David. Good. Um, this this second victim had... So he had tried to pay the second victim $35 for sex. Um, and the guy was like, fuck no. And like managed to jump out of the car fast enough. Um, do you know what Will did? He um... drove the car on the sidewalk. And try to run him down. So we handled rejection really well. Um, luckily, he could get away just fine. So, like, that kid, totally okay. Totally uninjured. Not assaulted. Good. So, that's great. We love that for him. Um, he pled guilty to all of these charges. So December 31st of 1975, um, he was sentenced to serve between one and 15 years mm-hmm. at the California men's facility in San Luis Obispo, which is the same place that Terry Rasmussen lived. If you remember that. Oh, I know. I saw that and I was like, Oh, I know. I was like, why do I know that place? And then I thought about it for a second. And I was like, Oh, that's why I know that place. Rabbit yeah. hole central. Yeah, that's, uh, that town's not doing too hot, is it? No, it's really not. Um, 1977, he was put under further psychiatric tests. Um, and it's the 70s, so I'm not gonna get that mad at the psychology, but it's bad. It's been bad this whole fucking time. Um, I was going to say, wasn't Stanford also in the 70s? Like, if we've learned anything, is that they weren't really doing the best sort of a psychology. Psychology? Psychology. (laughs) Holy fucking hell, I need a nap. It was, uh, like, psychiatry and psychology became one word. And honestly, it was kind of useful. Like, that should be a thing. (laughs) Um, They said that his pedophilia was because of his mother's micromanagement of his life uh no his pedophilia was you know stemmed from the fact that he had a ruined childhood but okay oh and was like i don't know molested a million fucking times as a child like that's probably not helping the situation but okay um he obviously was like no this isn't true um and he tried to like convince all the other inmates that he wasn't there for assaulting children um they did not believe him they beat the shit out of him constantly. I was going to say, the one constant in prison is that if you do anything with children, they're going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, he was beaten up a lot in prison. Um, he ended up getting released in 1978 in October. Not even a year later. Why? Um, and he got 18 months of probation. <laughs> um, so he gets out of prison. He moves to an apartment complex at Kingswood Village in uh, Downey, California, which was only like a mile away from his parents' house. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the teenage boys in the neighborhood uh, knew him as someone who would like buy alcohol for them and like let them party in their like in his apartment. (sighs) So late 1978. 
uh, Will meets one of our first uh, accomplices, for lack of a it's, better word. It's just, it's it's giving Ma vibes. Like, did you ever it see is. that movie? It is. Yes. I did okay. see that movie, and yes. It's it's giving Ma. <laughs> um, so he meets his 43-year-old neighbor, uh, Everett Scott Frazier. So, this Wait a will be God. important. Wait a goddamn! You mean the professor from Rocky Horror? Is that his name? I am eighty percent sure that the professor is Doctor Everett Scott. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Don't ruin that movie for me. <laughs> uh, so Fraser would also have a lot of parties. Uh, almost every night of the week, uh, where he would also invite young boys, and there were a lot of drugs and alcohol. Um, they became quick friends. Uh, they both were gay. They both liked to be with young boys. So, wow, they got along great. In 1979, when his parole was up, he ended up moving back in with his parents. Um, the local residents knew him as a child molester because he would invite young boys into his parents' house while his mom, his younger brother, and other people were there while he was offering these young boys free alcohol and, like, porn. Jesus Christ. Um... Neighbors noted that they would see young boys go into his house and then would hear them screaming and crying once they were inside. Sorry, I'm not laughing at what you're saying. Um, can, can I ruin your day? Oh no. Why? The character's name is, in fact, Dr. Everett Von Scott. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> He's Fraser for the rest of the episode. I refuse to say that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Continue with what you were saying. I needed the palate cleanser anyway, so. I feel that. Because uh, none of those neighbors called the cops. And his mother and his brother claimed that uh, he never assaulted any of these kids. Even if they were screaming and crying so loud that the neighbors could hear them, like you're telling me the mom and the brother couldn't hear it from inside of the house? Okay, um, apparently we're going on multiple soapboxes today. Do not fall victim to the bystander effect. If you hear something, say something. Literally, I don't care if it is your fucking family. I literally don't care. I don't care if you think 20 people have called the cops at this point. Call the fucking cops. Especially Do yeah. not. Like, also, too, it's like, his fucking, it's it's not like, it, like, it was the parent doing these things. So it's like, oh, it's a kid. Like, he doesn't want to call the cops on his parent or whatever. Like, it is your child who is doing these things. Yeah. Like, you're the one with the power. Like, what the fuck do you mean? But anyways. Dude, and all the neighbors, like, bruh. Stop bystander affecting. Can we just stop? Stop it. Just, oh. just report it. Just report it. 
Um, also, at this point, if you're wondering where his dad is, his dad is at a veterans hospital. Um, oh, shit. Because of, like, a lot of issues with, like, his alcohol addiction was causing issues with his physical health. So, he's in the hospital. Oh. He's not really in the picture at the moment. So, if you're wondering why he didn't do anything, he wasn't Crazy there. enough, uh, chronic alcohol use will tank your liver. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, this is where we meet our second accomplice. Well, second and third accomplice. Um, so by going the rest of the cast of Rocky Horror? (laughs) God no. Um, Are you sure? Yes, I'm very sure, actually. (laughs) Uh, because you will probably laugh when I say this name, but I guarantee you it's not in Rocky Horror. (laughs) Um, so by going to Fraser's parties a lot, um, he became acquainted acquainted acquainted. Why was that word so I think hard? you were trying to say he became acquaintances with and then yes. became acquainted with and it was just not working out. <laughs> he met. <laughs> 21 year old Horsley, Horsley. Oh my God. I, now I'm just stuck in not being able to talk. Okay. He met 21 year old porcelain factory worker and part time magician. <laughs> Named Vernon Butts. What? I told you that wasn't a Rocky Horror. Um, And he also met an 18-year-old named Gregory Matthews Miley. But we'll we'll get more into Miley later, but I just want to note that this is around the time period. He met both of them. All of this will become relevant later. I just... Um, He described... Vernon, uh, his direct quote, um, is I met Vernon and I admired him. He had it all together. Everybody liked him. It was cool having him like me. It made me feel really important. I never had any friends. Uh, so obviously he's, you know, really excited to finally be part of a friend group. He's never had a friend group before. I... I'm now officially convinced that all Vernons are pedophiles, and while the polling group I have is exactly two, um, this guy, and then in high school, we had a teacher whose first name was Vernon. Um, I'm not going to say his last name, because we're going to try to keep some anonymity. Um, but first of all, he never like introduced himself as Vernon. It was always Vern, and he insisted that you call him Vern. Uh, Ugh, I already hate that. Yeah. Um, but he was our PE slash health instructor, um, which was the most uncomfortable sex ed because sex ed is never a good time anyway, because in America it's kind of trash. It's not very informative. Um, a lot of places, especially if you're in like a small town, uh, preach like abstinence, which is not realistic. Let's be real. Teenagers are horny. Um, but the, the thing about Vern here is whenever we were going through the sex ed, like, portion of our PE class um he had this really unfortunate habit of licking his lips after he said penis or vagina um (laughs) I hate that more than anything like I said my polling group is exactly two um but I'm now convinced that all Vernons are pedophiles and I will not be convinced otherwise if I had a nickel for every time a Vernon was a pedophile I would have (laughs) Two nickels. I have two nickels, which is a lot. It's weird that I have twice. twice, right? <laughs> 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 
wait till you hear more about Vernon. We're gonna I don't we're gonna hear talk it. a little bit about Vernon just because I, I want to hear anything else about Vernon. I think you do because I know what it is, and I think you want to hear this. Oh God, uh, this isn't graphic. It's just hilarious. Um, and I need a little bit of a palate cleanser. How do you get worse than being a magician who works at a porcelain factory? Well, um, oh, no. so Vernon was uh, a big horror fan, big like occult fan. Um, he also was very nerdy. He liked to cosplay as Darth Vader a lot. That comes up later. Fucking that will nerd. be important later. Um. He also, like, everyone knew he was just kind of, like, weird and eccentric. Like, his house was kind of, like, decorated like it's Halloween all the time. He had a bunch of, like, fake spiders everywhere. And he actually had two coffins inside of his house, which I'm wildly jealous about. Um, He used one of them as a phone booth. Super cool. Um, And the other one, he would alternate between... (laughs) He would alternate between using it as a coffee table... Closed, of course, you know, using the top as a coffee table mm-hmm. and then opening it to fuck his girlfriend inside of it. It's like a two for one. Listen, Vernon. I don't appreciate that you had anything to do with whatever we're about to talk about. However, great stylist. I appreciate show. your style, my guy. Literally. He, uh, so he quit the porcelain factory and he had started working as a magic store clerk. Um, but he ended up getting fired from that because he, like, would come in, like, super unkempt and, like, he started just getting, like, weirder and weirder. Probably drug use would be my guess. You know, um, and they were like, effect on you. yeah, they were like, uh, you gotta go, dog. Like, you are strange. <laughs> um, so then he How? started. Hold on. How weird do you have to be to get fired from a magic shop? Literally. <laughs> like, how fucked how up fucking you weird do you have to be? Um, so he started working as a magician at children's parties. So um he also was like a drifter. He had been in and out of prison. Um saying all magicians are pedophiles but I am saying all pedophiles are magicians <laughs> you know the worst part is this is not the first time I've talked about a magician I know that's why I'm like uh, you know you know how like if you're Catholic you're Christian but if you're not Christian you're Catholic right <laughs> I, uh, if you're I a magician like you're not a Nichols. pedophile but if you're a pedophile you're a magician <laughs> I feel like this is another Nichols situation. <laughs> I've, I've only talked about it twice, but... But it's weird that like, it happened twice, right? Literally. <laughs> um, he It's thought that he developed um, his sadistic homosexual urges while he was in jail, uh, which he had gone to jail for things like burglary, arson, um, super fun, healthy stuff. Um, he claims himself to have been fascinated with and terrified of Will. Um, and he said that Will had almost like a form of hypnotic control over him. However, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's bullshit. 
Because first of all, we know, we know that Will never had any friends. This was the first friend he like ever had in his entire life, which he got in his 20s. Like he worshipped this guy. Like he thought this guy was so cool, like so great. Like I think that, and you'll see later, but like I think this was Vernon using a cop out to be like, he made me do it. He had all this control over me. But, like, honestly, I feel like it was more of the opposite. Because he held all the power there. Like, he was popular. He did have a lot of friends and stuff. Like, Will never had any of that. So, anyway, that's my little soapbox about it. I think a lot of people are lying in the store, if you can't tell. But it yeah. also makes sense, because I have a hard time believing a lot of what comes out of the mouth. Like, when we get into later, like, into the murders... Oh my um, god, we're not even there yet. A lot of that stuff, like, I do think he was telling the truth about, because he was very, like, matter-of-fact about, kind of like, you know, I did this, then he did this, then I did this, then he did that, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that is actually very accurate, and, like, the evidence that we have from like the bodies and stuff like supports what he said but a lot of this stuff about his childhood and like his friends and stuff like that like I think a lot of it is skewed and it of course makes sense for Vernon to lie because then when he like later on when you know the police get involved and stuff it's easier for him to say like oh he just controlled me he did everything I had no part in it anyways um so they both were pretending to be heterosexual essentially (laughs) um but the two started hooking up pretty soon um and they're really hitting it off they're hooking up they started playing dungeons and dragons together super fun they had a lot of dungeons and dragons nights fucking nerds um and at one of these nights not too long after they uh had gotten to know each other um Will suggested that the two of them should rape and murder a teenage hitchhiker. I really was hoping that this was going to end with them, like, hooking up and not what you just said. Um, I wanted to live in this fantasy land where they were like, they realized they really liked each other and they hooked up and they lived happily ever after, but no. Um, so Vernon was like, yeah, dog, for sure. That sounds great super into it um and then later he even like admitted like pretty freely like he really did not have to be pressed very hard to admit this um but he admitted that he took great delight in watching will abuse and torture his victims in the back of his van because vernon would frequently like be we'll get into more of this later it'll make more sense later but like a lot of the times he was kind of like the driver of the situation um but he also, like, freely admitted that he also enjoyed participating in this. Um, so. Wow, the trash bag of a human being is the trash bag of a human being. Who's shocked? So, you guys are gonna hate me, um, but we are only on page 8 of 31. Uh, so I think we're gonna have to make this a 2 part episode or maybe a three-part episode but i'm really really gonna try to fly through it and make it a two-part episode uh because i knew this was long and i like i don't think you guys understand like i am like skipping things as i go nothing important i promise i'm giving all of the context but like 
there's a bunch of information about, like, little stuff that happened in his childhood or, like, jobs that he worked and then quit and stuff like that. And I'm literally skipping all of that because this is so, so long. Um, so I'm so sorry, but y'all, y'all gotta stick around for at least a part two. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, you know... All of the things, uh, we have conveniently consolidated all of our links into one link. Um, so our Beacons page has everything that you need. It has our Spotify link, our all of the places you can listen to us, all of our social media, um, all of the you know extra links that we have on there for different cases we've covered in the past. Um, so make sure you check that out. Check out all the links. I've said links too many times and now it doesn't feel like a real word. Um, so stay spooky but not so spooky that you make a word not feel like a real word anymore uh stay spooky but not so spooky that you film or record an hour and 14 minute episode and we haven't even talked about the murders yet but we are we are right at the murders i promise the murders are going to be right at the beginning of the follow-up episode so you will not have to wait for long i stay spooky but not so spooky that your name is vernon i don't trust you if you're also, uh, Harry Potter has also made me not trust the name Vernon. Oh my god, yeah, that was also a Vernon. You know, my my case my case closed. Vernon's if you know a good Vernon, trust. please please recommend because <laughs> we have only had bad experiences with Vernons. So I need to know that there are some good Vernons out there. Thank you. If your name is Vernon, I'm sorry if you're offended, but please <laughs> prove your worth. Your other Vernons are not they're not holding you up well. 